0: Hi and welcome. It's time once again for Yoga Coach Podcast. I'm Tamara Page, E-R-Y-T at the 500-hour level. And during this very delicate and sensitive time that we're all viewing through the lens that's being presented to the world, it truly is with the utmost reverence to the men, women, children, warriors who are fighting for their freedom at this very moment from the most brutal forces of the unimaginable that we salute. Hard to conceive, yet surprising, that humans are still being forced to fight for freedom, individually and collectively. And for so many, the question is, why? And how to wrap our brains around this, or even process this existential crisis of this magnitude, and what does moksha and more have to do with yoga? Well, well, I'm just going to skim the surface because I'm not a scholar i'm a practitioner i'm a lifelong practitioner but i will tell you that through my studies it's been revealed to me that moksha means liberation moksha means freedom freedom from bondage or and it means emancipation in our modern world we often think of yoga as seeking freedom from pain in our body or pain in the mind and might be surprising to learn that the ancient teachings on the power of yoga were really uh, established to find inner strength in the face of external threats that have survived the test of time. So while modern yoga has moved to a more physical practice in its timely fashion, um, the impact of the power of yoga remains. So the word yoga is older than the practice itself. It's as old as the Sanskrit language. And the English word means yoke. It was originally that term was used in warfare when people or warriors would go into battle. The aristocrats, fought with horse-drawn chariots as they would put the yoke on the horses before going to war. And that was the original sense of yoga, warfare. So anyone who's been to a yoga class is probably familiar with the terms of warrior pose, warrior one, warrior two. Sometimes we call them Virabhadrasana one, Virabhadrasana two, that's the Sanskrit where am Um, Breath of Fire, heard Indian references to deities related to wars and destructions, but never really quite putting it all together. You know, yet, isn't yoga all about peace? Don't we practice yoga so we can be peaceful? Well, yeah, and achieving a relaxed mental and peaceful state of mind. So while yoga's widely used definition of yoga is yoking or union, the literal translation of that Sanskrit word, the physical device is used to join cattle or wild horses and often war horses. So it was referred to back then, more than 5,000 BC, to be yoga as action In the ancient yoga text, the Mahabharata, thought to have taken place around 3000 BC, dealt mainly with war and battlefields. And here yoga was described as dynamic activity. And this action to meet external threats was further reinforced by the Bhagavad Gita, considered a part of the Mahabharata. And in the epic poem, between a distressed warrior and the Hindu deity who counseled this distressed warrior whose name was Arjuna as to why he must participate in war and that these ancient teachings on the power of yoga to find inner strength in the face of external threats have truly survived the test of time. And while modern yoga has moved to a more physical practice mental spiritual it impacts today and remains yet impactful and still very powerful so as until most recent we haven't really had to contend with being back out on the battlefield we've contended with the battlefield of our mind, the battlefield of our workplace, the battlefield of day-to-day existence. So existential anxiety, existential activity. What remains clear is that while external threats, including more pollution, pandemics, and factors that lead to chronic stress may not be within our control, Yoga can certainly provide one tool to cope and perhaps thrive by, by managing the fluctuations of the mind and the senses. And perhaps in this modern era, it's a call to all to examine the state of affairs of the world in which we live, particularly the microcosm. Svadyaha, self-study. Maybe it's a time for us to really go deep get out of the shallow water go into the deep for a little bit do some self study and examine how are we influencing the overall well-being of the the macrocosm how does that macrocosm fit into our microcosm our global community our macrocosm and as we all struggle with you know, how we might be of help or assistance to the brave freedom fighters on the battlefield, perhaps in our own practice, next time we're flowing through a warrior sequence or hearing reference of war in a yoga class, maybe just take a few extra breaths and listen to understand your body and the way it moves and how it might help to Focus or influence the fluctuations of the mind? More importantly, what if in addition to observing passing emotions and thoughts, perhaps we can stretch that as the bodhisattvas do and build upon that warrior strength to bring a sense of peace to not only those around us, but to those on the other side of the globe who are now confronted with a battlefield that's not restricted to that of the mind. Maybe considering offering your practice as a prayer to a divine source that might assist assist those who are in the midst of this crisis and consider tuning into the very powerful practices of chanting mantras, kirtan, Some, many are offered online now, meditation practices, so that whatever we're experiencing through our practice may be transmitted so that there is oneness, the thread that weaves us all together all human beings on the planet so that in this thread from the fabric of life may we all join in oneness to find peace, experience harmony, love and well-being for all of humanity and as we're all thread from the fabric of life may we all live a life with freedom liberty, and justice. May we all live in a world with kindness. May we experience a joyful, purposeful, and peaceful life. Above all, may we live in the universal force and flow of love. Namaste.